0: The North Carolina Tar Heels are Final Four bound in Hubert Davis's first year. It has been a fantastic ride, and it's not over yet. But how has it been a fantastic ride? What switched for North Carolina to be able to make this run? I've been asked that by everyone lately. Radio hosts, media, fans, anyone remotely interested in college basketball. And you know what? I've got the answer for you. Plus, today is pro day for the North Carolina football team. I'm going to tell you about all of that on today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. There. it's Monday, March 28th, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Isaac Shade, beat writer for Sports Illustrated's UNC website. And I want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen every single day. And if you're watching on YouTube, your first watch every single day. We are free and available anywhere you get podcasts today's episode is brought to you by stat hero stat hero is reshaping the way you play fantasy sports dozens of house-based games to play daily no funky props just your skill versus the lineups you choose sign up today at stathero.com slash locked on Final four final four it's happening by the way North Carolina has been to three of the last six final fours I don't see any national media trumpeting that. Let's get that narrative out there, shall we? Okay, you know, okay. Isaac, not too excited. It's Monday, we got a whole week ahead of us before the Final Four, we're gonna get there. Plenty of time to talk about and stress about and agonize over the Final Four matchup with Duke. For now, let's just live in the moment. Let's enjoy what is happening. We'll get to the Final Four. Tomorrow, we'll worry about itself. By the way, here's something we can do right now on Monday. If you've been with us for a while, you remember that I started a hashtag leading into the, the regular season finale at Cameron, hashtag ruin a retirement party. Here's what we need to get going this time around, Ru- hashtag ruin another retirement party. So if you're on Twitter, Facebook, whatever social media, let's make that happen this week, hashtag ruin another retirement party. Before we get to the men, I want to make sure we point out the women, unfortunately, fell to South Carolina in the Sweet 16 on Friday night. We're going to talk about that later in the week, probably on Wednesday, but with everything going on with the men's team and with um, uh, the football team's pro day, we just want to make sure to hit those things while, uh, while they're going. And so we are not leaving the women behind. Do not worry. Okay here's the deal. I said, I've been getting asked so much lately. What happened? Why is North Carolina making this run? So I've been thinking a lot about this. I've been asked a lot about it. Um, and For a little while, I struggled to find a very specific answer to say I would kind of throw out a few things, but here it is. Here's what I'm now landing on. Carolina is doing what they're doing because they have role buy-in very specific role buy-in from five very specific players and their coach. Look at it with me through the eyes of Leaky Black, if you will, through his role. I had this interesting conversation on Twitter on Sunday after the game um, that went something like this. By the way, you can follow me on Twitter, right? There you see it, at Isaac Shade. Follow the show at Locked on Heels. Shameless plug right there. Boom. And so... Here's what happened. I had talked on Twitter about all the incredible stuff Leaky is doing defensively, the way he's filling out stat sheets, and somebody came back at it and said this. This is a quote Leaky has played well in his role, but Love, Manic, RJ, and Mondo are playing out of their minds. Sure, yes, I agree with that. They are playing out of their minds. If all you're doing is looking at points scored, my response is this to that Twitter person. And I, and I'm, they're not entirely wrong about what they're saying. It's just that they're misguided in the first half. They hit the nail on the head when, when they said the word roll. Because that is what this is all about. I would suggest that it's not just Caleb and RJ and... Brady and Mondo who are playing out of their minds, I would suggest it's all five of the starters, all five of the iron five that are playing out of their minds within their role that they've been asked to play by the coaching staff. So each to me deserves equal praise for what's happening. So absolutely with the other four, but it's got to be there with Leaky as well. You can't, you can't say that they're playing out of their minds to the neglect of Leaky. This is a collective effort. If all you're doing is looking at the scoring column, yeah, I get how you can say that, but that's not basketball. This is a beautiful and intricate dance between five people on the court doing their thing together at the same time, and that has to be executed to absolute perfection, and that is what the Tar Heels are doing. And that is why they are succeeding at the level they are. Because all five of these starters have role buy-in. And at this point in the season, you that's all you need is the five starters and Puff Johnson, essentially. And, and you're good. You just need to do that two more times and you've got a national championship. I would even go so far as to suggest that the reason someone looking at the scoring column would suggest that R.J. Caleb... Brady and Armando are playing out of their minds, is allowed to happen, specifically because Leaky plays his role to perfection. Leaky plays out of his mind in his role, which allows them to play out of their minds in this role. Again, it is a joint, a team effort. And here's when, if we're talking specifically when does that f- script flip? Well, w- you've probably heard there was like a players only meeting after the Wake Forest blowout. So there's things going on there. But here's when I think it actually happened. The Dawson-Garcia news that he would officially be not with the team the rest of the season broke on February 10th. That was a Thursday. They played Florida State that Saturday on the 12th, and then that coming Wednesday was when they lost to Pitt. You might remember that, that loss at home. The only loss that was not Q1 or Q2. So here's what I think. The Dawson-Garcia news broke. You got a couple games where you're still trying to learn... What are we now? But from that moment on, after the pit loss, Carolina has won 10 of their last 11 games with the lone exception that one loss, being the loss to Virginia Tech in the ACC tournament semifinals to this desperate Virginia Tech team who's trying to do everything they can to make the tournament, went on to beat Duke the next night. That is totally forgivable. But the other 10 games they've played in that span since Pittsburgh, they've won all of them. Because they have come together This team that for a long part of this season was trying to figure out what all these roles were with a new coach in this first year of the wild, wild west of the portal, the transfer portal with the one time transfer rule being a thing. Now there's a lot to figure out in the first two thirds of the season. And sometimes in this day and age, it's going to take that because you don't have as much of your same people coming back as you often do. But now, That this team knows what this team is. This team knows what they are being asked to do by their head coach. You're not seeing Kerwin Walton come in and get time. You're not seeing Justin McCoy come in and get time. You're seeing the starters, the Iron Five, who on Sunday against St. Peter's played the first uh, 18 and change of the second half and only came out for like once it was all put away. And then there was a fivesome that came on to spell them. This team now knows what it is, is bought in, dialed in, Trust their coach. Did you see the way they hugged him when they came off with a minute and change left? Yeah, this team is all in on Hubert Davis, and we should all be too. But this team knows what it is, and that's precisely why they're doing what they're doing, why they're clicking on all cylinders. You've got elite level backcourt play with R.J. Davis and Caleb Love either of whom can go off on a given night. We talked about that on Friday. You can go back and watch that. You've got an elite defender in Leaky Black who is filling out the stat sheet on um, Sunday. I believe his role... I'm not looking at the box score. I don't have it pulled. I do have it still pulled up. Listen to this. Leaky Black, five points, four rebounds, five assists, zero turnovers, three blocks, and two steals. That man is doing what he needs to do to be just the glue, the utility man, the the elite defender. Go go look at what he did to Doug Eddard and his mustache. Oh, my goodness. And then you've got this stretch four in Brady Manick, who is doing everything you need him to do. The dude is on fire. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. And then Baycott, doing everything that Baycott does, you've got not only five who understand their role, but are in perfect positions to be a well-oiled basketball team. Wow. They are doing it. That is why Carolina is doing this. Roll buy-in. Boom. There you go. So what about this Elite Eight game itself against the the upstart St. Peter's? Well, first off, I need to say I'm not ignoring UCLA. We're going to go hit that tomorrow on Tuesday's show. I just want to make sure we hit St. Peter's today and then we're going to go back in time a little bit and catch that. Today is all about the St. Peter's game. What are some of the key moments? What are the stats, the storylines? I'll fill you in on all of it. Plus my shady stat of the game. But first, let me tell you about Stat Hero. Stat Hero's NCAA single game pick pits the star players against each other in an amazing hybrid between fantasy and sports bet gambling. Take control back from those handicappers that always seem to have the upper hand against you as the player, and start focusing instead on the players you know best with a gameplay that doesn't rely on big spreads or long odds or funky props or anything like that. Stat Hero gives you the advantage, resulting in you as the gamer winning four times more often. Why? Because Stat Hero eliminates the mystery about what or who you are going up against. They create these set lineups. You choose one, you choose your players, and they go at it head to head. And so that simplicity, that sleek gameplay is exactly what you're looking for for your daily fantasy action. They're going to have you set up and going in no time, just a couple of minutes. That's essentially what daily fantasy is meant to be, a quick and easy thing. So sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. Again, that's stathero.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on for a 100% match. Terms and conditions apply. For those of you who are listeners only, I would love to encourage you to go and subscribe on the YouTube channel. Just would take a quick second. You can hit the button that says subscribe and then just come back. You can just do it while you're listening. It takes one or two seconds would be quick and easy and just helps continue to grow the show in that way. Even if you never watch, just continuing to add to those numbers. That would be awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, I wanna start talking about this game against St. Peter's by acknowledging St. Peter's. The, the literally, by by definition of what they've done, the greatest Cinderella story in modern NCAA tournament history. When, when we talk about modern NCAA tournament history, by the way, that dates back to 1985. That's when the field expanded to 64. And so anytime I use stats or, or data to talk about the NCAA tournament, that's all what it's always based on is 1985, through the present there you go little little uh, behind the curtains there so three 15 seeds ever have made it to the sweet 16 in that span it was the florida gulf coast team it was oral roberts just last year but both of those teams lost in the sweet 16 and so now as you are probably well aware saint peters is the first and only team that was a 15 seed to make it to the elite eight shaheen holloway their coach is a phenomenal coach who's been doing a great job this is no miracle He's now going to be headed to Seton Hall, his alma mater, to coach there. How cool a story is that? I don't know if that's public yet. It might be by the time you're listening to this. But it's just kind of known uh, that that is going to be a thing. So really cool there. And and what I love about the way St. Peter's did this is it wasn't with with lucky shots or prayers at the end of games. They just went out and won these games against Kentucky and against Purdue, like, insane what they are doing. Super cool. And so uh, they took two teams that walloped Carolina this year and beat them both soundly. And that was in the first round in the Sweet 16, obviously. So um, as we get into talking about the game, there are five things from the game I want to acknowledge, and then I will give you my shady stat of the game. One of The, the first thing I was watching out for was to see, for the first time in this tournament, Carolina came in as a heavy favorite in this game and so the question is now that there's game pressure to win and advance and then there's duke waiting do they come out loose like they have been doing or do they come out a little bit tighter and and what what does that look like well they started the game on a 9-0 run so i think things were going pretty well not only that Carolina built a double-digit lead in less than 10 minutes of the game. In fact, that means now that for the NCAA tournament, in Carolina's four games, they have had a double-digit lead in three of them fewer than 10 minutes into the game. That is a team having fun, that is loose, and ready to go from the tip. And that's what has to happen, especially against a Cinderella team, against a team that you're heavily favored against. You know how this goes. You let a team that's less talented than you hang around, and then they start to get positive momentum. They start to gain confidence. And then they just need a thing or two to go their way in the second half, and they can pull out an upset. And so what Carolina needed to go out and do was assert dominance from the get-go. And that's precisely what they did. Never gave St. Peter's room to to breathe or to have anything um, worth coming or capability of coming back. Legitimately, this game was over by halftime. And I know we could essentially say the same thing. It seemed that way against Baylor. But with all due respect to St. Peter's, this is not a number one seed. This is not the reigning national champion who has the capability to do that. This game was this game was over at halftime. And so, let's be honest, by the time you get to the elite 8, it's eight fantastic teams. There's no teams you want to look at and play. But who would you rather be playing, St. Peter's or Kentucky or Purdue, who would have been the two or three seed coming out of that side? Absolutely, you'd rather play St. Peter's. And just you're just more talented than that, and that is what it is, unfortunately. So that's the first thing. Second thing I want to take away from this game is is Brady Manic shooting. And not only in this game, but tournament-wide. So far through the tournament, Brady Manick is shooting 57.7% on field goals. And for a big man, you would say, all right, that's pretty good. But keep in mind, he is a stretch four. He's not just shooting inside near the basket. He's four for six from three just today. So. 57.7% on field goals in the tournament, 30 out of 52, and from three, he is hitting 47.1 of his shots. He's made 16 out of 34 three-pointers in the NCAA tournament, and that's while missing an entire quarter of the Baylor game. Who knows what he might have done? In fact, on this season, this is just a quick aside, Brady Manick has 92 three-pointers. Just the sixth Tar Heel to ever make 90 or more three-pointers in a season. I'm not going to tell you the other five because i have got a little something for you tomorrow. Maybe a little Tuesday trivia action. You know what's coming. That's right. Get ready. Brady Manick has 19 or more points in six of Carolina's last eight games. Like, the dude is really shouldering a heavy part of this offensive load on a more consistent basis. I know he didn't hit 30 like RJ Davis or Caleb Love did, but, but he's doing this on a infinitely more consistent basis than either of those guys or even Armando Baycott as, as he uh, works his way through just some aches and pains and stuff like that. Brady Manick has been the most consistent scorer down the stretch here. Now, as you heard me say, Manic is 16 for 34 on three-pointers. He's made 16 in the four games of this tournament. Caleb Love has made 15 in the four games of this tournament. They are shooting like crazy. And in fact, hold on to that, because that's going to be part of the shady stat of the game. Uh, Leaky Black, we we talked about him in that last section. I just want to say more about it. He continues to just absolutely wreck opponent opponents' offensive plans and strategies. And not only is he doing that, but he's also doing it on the offensive side of the court as well. You already heard me talk about how he filled up the stat sheet today. So go back and watch. There's a play in the second half in about 8 minutes and 30 seconds left in the game. Doug Eddert, the guy with the mustache that's been getting all this publicity for St. Peter's, he gets the ball on the wing on the right side. Leaky is behind uh, another Saint Peter's player. Gets around it, breaks like works his way back out to Edert. Breaks down so that Edert can't either take a three or get around him. Breaks down defensively, stays in front of him as Edert gets to the hole. Stays vertical defensively as Edert goes up for the shot. Blocks it and gets the rebound. I mean, just doesn't let him get anywhere. He is just. It's insane. So, Eddard finishes with two points in this game. Nuts, bonkers, crazy. And so, uh, Leaky Black, that's that's the third thing I just want to point out, is how consistent he is at doing what he is being asked to do. Again, role definition. Next thing I want to hit is this. This is the fourth one. One more after this. Armando Baycott is Unreal and while he's not scoring at the consistently high level as brady manic what he's doing to combine scoring and rebounding at a consistent level is exactly again exactly what the tar heels need from him in this game 22 rebounds that ties tyler zeller's north carolina ncaa tournament single game record for the most rebounds ever in Carolina history in an NCAA tournament game, 22 rebounds. That is crazy. So that double double 20 points, 22 rebounds gives him 29 this season, 47 for his career. That 29 double doubles this season ties him with Tim Duncan, the Tim Duncan for the most in a single season in ACC history. He's tied with Tim Duncan. Are you hearing me say that? Yeah. Um, That also, those 29, breaks the tie he had with Oscar Shibway from Kentucky. So now, Baycott has the most double-doubles in all of Division I basketball. Those 47 that he has now in his career ties him with Tyler Hansborough and Sam Perkins for the third most all-time in Carolina history. Anytime your name is mentioned in the record books with Tim Duncan, Tyler Hansborough, and Sam Perkins, you're doing something right. You're doing something superior and fantastic. Armando Baycott is killing it. In fact, Carolina, as a team, sticking with that rebounding idea, has played 37 games this year, has out-rebounded, out-rebounded their opponents in 34 of them, including the last 14 straight. That is bonkers banana-whackers. And so uh, the last thing I want to point out about this game before we get to the shady stat of the game is this. It's really nice that on a night when Carolina has a pretty overwhelming size advantage, R.J. Davis and Caleb Love didn't have to shoulder the scoring load. In fact, Manic and Baycott combined for 39 of the 69 points to take on over 50% of the scoring. And, and after, you know... Love and Davis had just chipped in thirty-point games in the back in the last two games, and so they're able to be more. Uh, don't they just don't have to shoulder as much of a scoring load against St. Peter's, and that's nice. But here's what I love to see from them against UCLA: Caleb Love had started attacking the rim more, and he did that again more against St. Peter's. Not just attacking, but finishing more efficiently, as is RJ Davis. They're both starting to finish really well. And that's a thing that, uh, especially for Love, hadn't always been happening. And if that's going to continue, that's just another level for this team. You love to see that. All right, to finish off this segment, let's hit the shady stats of the game. I got two for you today, forgive me. I mentioned that Brady Manick has 16 three pointers, Caleb Love has 15. The Carolina NCAA tournament record for most three-pointers in, in a four-game NCAA tournament was set by none other than Kenny the Jet Smith in 1987. He hit 12 in, in four games. And these two guys have both surpassed that, setting a new Carolina record. Nice. Caleb Love, set a record. Oh, bested by Brady Manning, But both of these guys have reset that record. And then the second uh, stat of the game is this. It's actually a stat of the last six games. The Tar Heels have recorded double-digit offensive rebounds in each of the six postseason games, so both ACC tournament games and all four NCAA tournament games. Things are going very well. The Tar Heels are doing a lot of great things. Now, the basketball team isn't the only one on the national stage on Monday. The football team is going through pro day. Like, probably as you listen to this, it's either already happened or still happening if you're listening early. What's the schedule? Who's participating? What's going on there? I've got the names, I've got the schedule, the whole plan for you and I'll fill you in in just a minute. But first, let me tell you about Built Bar. Built Bars are great candy bar replacement options covered in 100% real chocolate. Some of the great flavors include things like mint brownie, coconut almond, and new is white chocolate shamrock. These are all delicious and Built Bar is coming out with new flavors all the time. Not sure how they do it, because they taste great, but then also they make them really healthy. Again, not sure how they do it, but they always pull it off. A typical candy bar comes in anywhere between two and 300 calories, but Bilt Bar is just 130 calories. Not to mention only 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, but also 17 grams of protein. Great stuff. So, if you're interested in checking this out, go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Okay, pro day for the football team. This is crazy, it's exciting, it's spring practice is happening, but we're taking a little pause here to have this day to showcase the the talent that is trying to move on to the next level. So here, let me lay out the schedule first, then I'll give you the participants and one or two just takeaways really quick. So NFL personnel are going to come check in anywhere leading up to 915. And then the players come for the next half hour 915 945. They'll check in, we're going to start measurements at that point, arms, hands, wingspan, height, and weight. So those are the things that are going to be checked as the Tar Heels are checking in. So we'll start to learn about, hey, are are Sam Howell's hands small like Kenny Pickett's or things like that? Poor Kenny Pickett, man. He's just getting battled and bruised. If you don't know what I mean, Kenny Pickett is Pitt's quarterback who's supposed to be one of the top quarterbacks taken, but he's just getting bombed because he's got small hands, poor guy. Anyway, 9.45 after all that check-in is done, Coach Brown will give a welcome at that point uh, just bringing everyone in. Meanwhile, the the players will start stretching to get ready to run their 40-yard dash. That'll be the first um, thing that's tested. And so a uh, 15-minute period of stretching for the players. And then 10 o'clock uh, Eastern time, that's when it all starts, all the testing, like when we actually get into the fun stuff. So that 40-yard dash is going to be the first thing that happens. So the players will stretch, get right into that. Following the 40-yard dash is gonna be position drills. So here's the order of positions that are gonna go through some drills. We'll start with passing, and so that's gonna be Sam Howe, tight ends, running backs, and receivers. And so you're gonna see all of those uh, doing passing drills. Sam Howe will just go through the whole passing script that they've come up with, and, uh, and everyone will be able to see that. Next group after that is offensive linemen, tight ends, and running backs followed by defensive ends and inside linebackers, then DBs, and then kickers. So we'll have um, some point afters and some field goals from Mr. Atkins there. Now, continuing the testing from there, we'll have uh, some of the more like jumping and agility stuff. So start with the vertical jump, then the broad jump, then go to some pro agility testing, followed by the three cone drill, and then finally the bench press. And uh, you know I'm not ready at all for that, man. I, I used to, I used to could, anybody use that phrase? I used to could knock out all those bench reps, but your boy ain't got it anymore, folks. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm so old. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm young. I'm hip. I'm happening. it's not true at all. All right. So here are the participants. I'll give them to you alphabetically by last name. So kicker Grayson Atkins, running back Ty Chandler, who transferred in from Tennessee, had a great year. Hopefully he can make some noise. Uh, the first of several offensive linemen is Josh Izudu, Tamon Fox, linebacker, who'd stuck around for another year, then Jeremiah Gemmel, linebacker, and then Sam Howe. Marcus McKeithen, another offensive, the second of the three offensive linemen who will be going through Pro Day stuff. And then Kyler McMichael, defensive back, followed by a name that you might remember that wasn't around this past year, Patrice Rene, another defensive back who had transferred to Rutgers. I'm going to say more about that in just a second. And then offensive lineman jordan tucker rounds out that off offensive lineman group and garrett Walston, uh the tight end who had stuck around for his grad year to take advantage of the the covid ex, uh, eligibility and then finally miles wolf who also um defensive back who had not been at carolina this year had gone to bowie state and so i i, I want to highlight those two guys who are coming back, it seems like perhaps a curious move, but I think this is a great call for Carolina football. I don't know whose idea this was, who, if they reached out to the program, or if the program reached out to them, but I love who whomever came up with the idea. I think it's great because it says, hey, in this day and age of transfer portal, when you're a Tar Heel, you're always a Tar Heel. Even if you go somewhere else, do other things, you are one of us, you're with us. And so I love what that says. The other thing I want to mention that's worth pointing out is, um, tomorrow or today, Monday, excuse me, starts the owner, the NFL owners meetings. And so what that means is that a lot of some of the personnel that might otherwise typically be there, like, more head coaches, more GMs, things like that. To see Sam Howell in particular, probably won't be there tomorrow. And so the football office, in sending out information to the media, asked us to just help make sure there's no narrative around that of like, oh, why aren't the head coaches and person and you know front office personnel there to see Sam Howell? What's going on there? Well, it's because all their owners' meetings are starting, and and so a lot of them won't be there. But Sam Howell, because of that, had already set up meetings that he's already had or will be having. And so there's nothing to worry about there. If you hear anything like that, shut it down and say, hey, I know this is why that's happening. You're on the inside and you know, and you can tell people now. So that's great. Um, Again, love bringing in these these guys. So smart when you're Carolina, your family, even when you go off to do other things, you come back. We don't burn bridges. We're one big happy family. NFL Pro Day. Love it for these guys. We will, on Tuesday, unpack what happened at Pro Day. We're going to continue, as I said, we're going to talk about the UCLA basketball game. And I want to talk about Carolina's defense a little bit, which obviously is going to be some more Leaky Black conversation. But the team as a whole, remember, we're talking about roll buy-in for everyone. So that's all coming up on Tuesday's show. I'd love to encourage you to go subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Or if you're watching on YouTube, just hit that subscribe button doesn't take but just a second to do that again we've already talked about following the show on twitter at locked on heels follow me at isaac shade right there and all of that would love it if you would take a moment to rate and review the show if you're on apple Podcasts, really easy just give it five stars write a little review about why you love listening to locked on tar heels And I would imagine uh, there are quite a few new people here because Carolina's headed to the Final Four and people like to dial in. And that's great and that's awesome. So glad you're here. Tell more people. Bring them in. We're developing a great community here at Locked on Tar Heels. Speaking of which, this has been your first listen of the day, I hope. And now I want to encourage you to make Locked on NFL Draft, appropriately so, your second listen of the day. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback, Eric Crocker, bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices it's free and available wherever you get your podcasts thank you so much for spending part of your Monday talking about Carolina basketball and football with me what a great way to start the day and you know it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel especially today what a splendid day Caroline is headed to the Final Four you know what let me remind you this enjoy every moment. It's a great day to be a Targo. Until tomorrow, peace.